Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know that it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball with Jamie Rutsky. And today we are going to have a guest joining us, one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite announcers, one of the best guys in baseball. And uh, sadly, he's uh, sitting in Clearwater Beach, Florida, uh, you know, at his beautiful home with his beautiful wife, and he's not broadcasting baseball. He's uh, looking at clouds, birds, and probably watching his Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, I will have Dwayne's stats on here in about a half an hour, and it's going to be great. Looking forward to catching up with Dwayne. I'm not sure the last time we did a podcast might have been before uh, the first game of what some people call uh, the 2020 season. I call it a joke. I didn't get to go to a game. I guess I could have sat out 500 feet away at uh, uh, Wrigley uh, or in the bleachers across the street. I guess I could have done like my son, Josh, who went to the first uh, NLCS game, played in Global Life Park. And I'm sure he had a good time. <clears throat> he uh, said that the uh, experience was pretty good. It was kind of quiet, pretty empty. Masks until you got to drink beer, eat hot dogs. So that's pretty cool. But it's like exhibition baseball. And it was all just a sham to get to what we have had <clears throat> over the last month. And that is playoff baseball with no fans until the end of the season, at the end of the World Series, ALCS had fans. The NLCS did not have fans. The Division Series had no fans. The Wild Card had no fans. And uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, you know, there were some lighter side of baseball moments, not quite like the New York Giants football team, whose quarterback faked a handoff up the middle and the defense converged on everybody but the quarterback, who, unknown to the folks on the defense had the ball and he ran 70 yards heading towards an 85 yard touchdown run when he wasn't in shape the dude fell down he was tired unbelievable pretty funny same thing happened to randy rosarina uh he sort of collapsed between third base and home plate but in game four the dodgers helped him out by making two errors on the same play to end the game the first time that's ever been done and uh, so there you have it. The series is tied at 2-2 two to two until last night. I did manage to watch a few innings last night. It's so boring. I'd rather watch replays of the Cubs' 2016 drive to the World Series or the 2015 Royals winning the World Series or really anything besides listening to Joe Buck. And I'd like to turn on my MLB Network feed and pick up the local Tampa Bay radio guys. They don't have the TV guy. I don't know why. It's not like Dwayne Stats can't do radio. He can do radio. He did radio for the Cubs. He's a great announcer, and I'm not taking away anything from the radio guys on Tampa Bay, but put him in the booth. Are they on a budget? Well, apparently, since their budget for the players was about $200 million less than the Dodgers, what a joke. I mean, at least in the NFL, it's remotely close. I mean, everybody tries to get up to the salary cap as opposed to Major League Baseball where everybody tries to, I don't know what, and it's going to get worse. The Cubs laid off 100 people because Ricketts must have a difficult time with his balance sheet. Uh, come on. 
Even John Sherman, who has yet to put a fan in the stand after he bought the Kansas City Royals, didn't do that. It's, you know, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's frustrating because those people don't deserve to lose their job. They don't deserve any of this. And, you know, they're going to hire back people at some point. It's not that easy to get a job in sports. Look at me. I tried to get a job in sports, and we had to buy a... Well, we didn't. My my uncle did. I got to be the beneficiary of that deal. Uh, not literally, but figuratively. Uh, I did try to convince my cousin to buy the team when Gussie was selling, but uh, you know, I didn't. I was only four million nine hundred and ninety-nine thousand dollars short on that deal. Anyway, uh, we've talked about that before, but. Um, no fans, no good baseball, and for the umpteenth year in a row, the umpteenth year in a row, and I could go back and check, Fox Sports has botched coverage of the World Series. And it's really not Fox Sports' problem. It's really not their fault. Well, it is to the extent that they get to select the broadcast crews. That's basically beyond pathetic. You know, when when Joe Buck did the 2016 series, I, I, I attributed my dislike of Joe Buck because he never has been a Cub fan and he always he even wrote a letter in the Tribune. Dear Cub fans, I really don't hate your team. Well, that's baloney. And Dear Joe, I really hate your broadcasting. Dear Joe, it doesn't matter who your sidekick is. Your broadcasts are not entertaining, okay? That's the nicest thing I can say. And apparently America agrees with me because the ratings this year have been even worse than the bad ratings they've had ever since Joe Buck took over. First, there was Tim McCarver, who does great interviews on the Tim McCarver Show, but is a pathetic announcer. Smoltzy, who is pretty good on TV, and when he's not with Costas or Buck, is okay. So I've got to say that the reason these guys suck is Joe Buck. I mean, he tries to be cute, funny, interesting. Uh, he is overblown with statistics. I don't know. He's obviously got Fox's sports analytics department whispering in his ear. That's the first home run by a catcher who hit more than three three times at bat in the same game with a runner on third base and a sacrifice fly and a bunt, first time that's ever happened. We have to go back to Charlie Keller in 1928 with the Yankees. I mean, that's just god-awful. Tony Kubek was great. Joe Graziola, great. You know, there's so many good, fun baseball announcers. Bag the national teams, bag baseball network, and get the local guys to broadcast. You've heard me say this. I'm consistent with this because I want the Bob Eukers of the world to broadcast. I even want Len Casper to do the, the, the TV for the national feed. Not Joe Buck. Oh, my God. And next to me is the Hall of Famer, John Smoltz. Take a bow, John. Give me a break. 
We're not morons. We know who the guy is. We know Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. Quit saying that. You're a bozo. <laughs> yeah, I'm ranting and raving. I can't, I'm so mad because between the length of the game, the stare-downs of the pitchers, the home runs, and the fact that it's just six minutes of action crammed into the average time so far for five games this World Series, three hours and 43 minutes. Will this ever change? No, it's probably going to get worse. Are we going to hear another podcast from me talking about the crappy broadcasters, the length of the game, it's a home run derby, the ball's juiced, the bats are overcooked? Probably. <laughs> I think it's, you know, why not? It's my podcast, and uh, I've got some loyal listeners. And, uh, man, it couldn't be a further day from spring training here in Kansas City because it's snowing. So if the Royals were at home, playing in the World Series because they had the uh, uh, home field advantage with the best record. Uh, tomorrow would be about 30 degrees with uh, snow in the stadium. How's that? The Chiefs played yesterday in Denver. It wasn't a blizzard, but it was pretty cool, a lot of snow. So, I don't know, I'm back on my Joe DiMaggio diet, which is pretty cool. I'm on day three. I have... Uh, Day three to go to 56. I'm convinced this time it'll take me right up to the holidays. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do my Joe DiMaggio diet. Then I'm going to write a book. And maybe somebody will buy the book. Nobody's really stepping up to the plate. to, to uh, sp- My only potential sponsor is delayed the opening. Delay, delay, delay. And I feel bad for him because, man, this is a tough time to be opening up a new pizza place. But <clears throat> it's going to be a new sponsor for the lighter side of baseball. And a few people think that, you know, because this season has been abysmal and my mood has been terrible, my uh, broadcast, podcast, whatever you want to call it, have been uplifting, I'm sure, and entertaining to a lot of people. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, it'd be easy for me to say, yeah, I'm just going to take the rest of the off-season off, work out, pump some iron, do some sit-ups, maybe go south to play golf, go out to California, check out the fires, Whatever. I'm going to stick with it at least once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Uh, you know, we've got the winter meetings, which will be on Zoom. <clears throat> and then we've got the, uh, the awards. Oh, yeah, that's a farce. Talk about a friggin' farce. Who, who would accept the MVP award this year or the Cy Young award or the manager of the year award? They played... They played more playoff games than they did regular season games for the most part. Ah, it's a sad day in Mudville. Mighty Manfred has struck out. Did you get that? (laughs) Just off the top of my... I mean, the hits keep happening on the lighter side of baseball. You got to love it. So this week, uh, we're going to have Dwayne Stats, and you can hear that on Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud... I get a link from my production team, and I send it out to my favorite listeners, and all of you are my favorite listeners, but sometimes some of my favorite listeners say, hey, uh, would you cut that chain out? I really don't want to have a, because, you know, there's a lot of security involved in some people's lives. I mean, this show goes all the way up to the top, up to the top of something. I don't know what. So we got Dwayne Stats today. I'm going to try to get uh, Craig Kashan for the end of the week. I'm going to get John Wathen. He's ready and warming up in the bullpen for me. And I love I love talking to both those guys. 
And then in a week or two, as soon as <clears throat> I study up on this grassroots baseball organization, which is awesome, uh, I'm going to have Jeff Idelson, the former president of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, or Baseball Hall of Fame, or professional base, whatever it is in Cooperstown, and uh, his sidekick, Gene, who is uh, one of the top photographers in all of baseball and is a designated Latino uh, photographer, and uh, that's going somewhere. So I'm looking forward to looking at, reading, seeing their book. I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm going to continue uh, to try to get... Uh, Mr. Kendrick of the major of the Negro League Hall of Fame to do a show with me. So uh, that's my intro to Dwayne's stats. I'm going to give him a call in a few minutes. I'm going to take a break now, and then when we come back, we will be with uh, Dwayne's stats. So that is going to be an exciting turn of events, and uh, I think that'll be fun. Hopefully, Dwayne doesn't have any conflicts. I don't think he will. And uh, we will be back in uh, a few minutes with one of my favorite announcers in the world, other than Dwayne Stats. And uh, as I said earlier in the segment, we are going to have none other than Dwayne Stats, the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, one of my favorite guys all time. Uh, he's going to be on, and uh, we'll catch up on the World Series, which is uh, three games to two. Dodgers have the have the edge, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun fun conversation. I plan on talking to Dwayne a little bit about. Uh, you know, good things. Uh, I'd like to get a little bit more knowledge about the Rays because they're a fun team. Margot Renfro. You know, when I did this podcast, when I did the last podcast with Craig Kashan, I asked Craig to name the infield for the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, he could not do that, and uh, neither could I. Now they're household names, and uh, so that'll be fun because nobody knows these guys better than Dwayne Stass. I mean, he... You know, he broadcast on TV. He should be doing the World Series. He should have been doing the ALCS. He should have been doing the Division Series. And he should have been doing the, uh, you know, what's left, the uh, Run for the Roses, the wild card uh, deal, which really wasn't a wild card. And um, so he'll be joining the show, and we'll be talking about uh, Adamus. We'll be talking about Randy Rosarina. We'll be talking about guys that Wendell that I'd never heard Diaz is pretty good I'd heard of Choi uh, Brett Phillips who got the greatest hit ever in uh, non-game seven of the World Series um, he's only I think he's batted once or twice and um, for some reason I don't really use him um, I'm not sure why it's too bad he can't catch too bad nobody can catch I mean this guy that's catching, who I had never heard of, uh, can't hit and has having a hard time calling pitches, too. So that's kind of funny. But um, we're going to visit all about that. We're going to visit about his off-season plans. We're going to visit a little bit about what Fox Sports Florida, whatever they're called, has in mind. And uh, 
we'll go from there. So I expect uh, to hear from Dwayne in just a few minutes. And until then, uh, we'll take a break and uh, we'll be back with hopefully Dwayne's stats. Uh, usually he's pretty good about joining the show. It might be a little late, might be a little early. We don't know. But we'll be back. Listen to some music. It's good. And uh, I know my production staff will get some good music in there. Thank you. And uh, we'll be right back on Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, my Facebook. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Jack Brickhouse. What a great broadcaster. Anybody's a good broadcaster. Uh, but Joe Buck, man, he's pathetic. There are a lot of, he's got a lot of company. Give me Dwayne Stats. Give me Craig Kashan. Give me Tom Hamilton. Give me Bob Euchre. Give me anybody but Joe Buck, but that's not going to happen because they pay big bucks for Joe Buck and the Fox Sports Network. So hold on, and uh, we'll have a little more uplifting conversation with Dwayne. All right. Hey, everybody, we're back, and as promised, we have Dwayne Stats, the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays. I've, I've introduced him about four or five times. He, to me, is in my top three of all time. And so I keep he keeps moving up too, and God love him. I have uh, I've got a lot of opinions to share with him, uh, the, some of which he probably can't respond to about broadcasts of the playoff games. But how are you doing, man? Doing well, thank you, thank you. You know, uh, semi sequestered, but we are out and about and uh, following this World Series. You know, I get to put my feet up and watch it, which is uh, good and bad because we would love to be a part of all of that. And um, and so that's it. But we have nothing to complain about, all things well, considered. I know that you're watching grandkids baseball, and that's got to be fun. Uh, yeah. When we first talked to you, you were watching clouds and birds, and that was interesting to hear <laughs> your play-by-play on some of the clouds and uh, Clearwater Beach. That was exciting. And we, uh, we talked about some of your uh, famous celebrities on the beach. But I want to – you've got such a unique um, – uh, relationship with these guys that I'd never heard of, but I want to get into the Tampa Bay Rays because I know that one of the things you do and is amazing is your, your, uh, and I know it's part of your job, but your depth in which you go to, to know these guys. And it's not just something you learn out of a book. So I want to talk about that. And I want to talk a little bit about the, the broadcast, but, uh, uh, the fact that you got your feet up and you're not watching the game is, is to me, I'll get serious, one of the root problems of the broadcasting industry right now in the world of professional baseball. So there. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's really a, a, a strange place to be if, you're, if you've followed a club all year and then when they get to the real payoff, you know, you're not part of that. Uh, there's no question about that. And there was a time, and you can remember this, when I, I remember going back, uh, growing up in the St. Louis area with the Cardinals in 64 when they played the Yankees, uh, again in 67, 68, Red Sox and Tigers. You know, Harry Carey was part of that uh, broadcast team. Kurt Gowdy would have, um, uh, he would have in 68, he had Carey, and he had Ernie Harwell with him. I mean, that seemed to be a good idea to me. And I think, I think the fans of both teams and nationally like that because – and taking nothing away from the job that Kurt Gowdy or any of the national guys would do, they're, they're at a disadvantage because they haven't followed that story from day one to get the team 
where they finally arrived. Well, and even Kurt Gowdy would venture off into the other NBC sports activities occasionally, but by and large, when Gowdy was there or when Garagiola and Kubek did it, when it was the game of the week, the game of the week, those guys dedicated their summers to knowing and being around baseball as opposed to splitting time with whatever the current the current lead broadcast guy does. And I noticed that when he had to go team up with Troy Aikman uh, for the Packers game, he was replaced by perhaps the television voice of the Dodgers. Um, yeah, Joe Dickhouse. Yeah, so that was that was the way it was when I grew up. Jack Brickhouse would would do part of the '59 World Series, or you know, your history is much better. But to me, um, it makes no sense. And and the other thing, on the MLB, if you subscribe to MLB Network during the year, I can hear you every day. I can watch you every day, and during the uh, during the postseason, I can do the listen to the radio guys, even though they're a pitch behind or ahead. Mm-hmm. makes no difference that that same thing isn't afforded to MLB subscribers or the world so that you would do every game on TV. And if they wanted to listen to Dwayne's stats, they could. Or if they wanted to listen to the guy from Fox, they could. It's, it's, a, it's, it's the worst ratings, and they, they beat the worst ratings from the years gone by because it's a it's – a, <laughs> just a bad product it's too long it's i cannot i just i won't I, I know that you're in a precarious situation so let's talk about things besides oh well because yeah. it it kills me i'm a huge baseball fan and it, it, it as you alluded to it makes no sense that instead of lynn casper or instead of I hate to say it, B.A. Anderson, the other B.A. Anderson, B.A. from the yeah. uh, Brewers. <laughs> yeah. I got my favorites, and you're one of them. It makes no sense. And I think the ratings suffer. You know, give me Graziola and Kubek, or give me Kurt Gowdy, or even, you know, Howard Cosell, or Frank Gifford, or some, change it up. And, and I, I don't think it's any knock necessarily against the Cardinal guy from St. Louis that currently does every friggin' World Series. But I think it's stale. And and even if some people like it, he, he's repetitive to the point of nauseousness because it's like the most ridiculous and uh, uh, ridiculous things he brings up. You know, like this is the first catcher to both sacrifice bunt and pick his nose in the same series. Uh, it's, anyway. Well, you know, here's it, and we all know uh, of all the sports, you know, football is a once a week presentation you know everybody builds during the week to to that once a week game baseball is a process and I've always seen those other sports as an event football really is an event it's an event at the college level you know all all the students who who are on campus do their stuff all week and then Saturday that's the big event the NFL is built on the same basis I think you know you you get you get reports from practice and all that but it's an event Baseball is a process, and I think we always have to understand that, never lose sight of that. And it's difficult then, if you have not followed a team all year, to go into a process sport and do it as an event because you lose part of their charm and, and part of the minutiae 
of the game. And that's what happens. It's a great game. We've had great games in this World Series. We've had outstanding things happen in this World Series. And the World Series is an event, but we, we have a chance to have something that's a process and an event at the same time. And I think we, we lose the process part of it. Well, and, and I think part of the process is the um, chemistry that you have with somebody on the race. That so, and you know, like Joe Buck, and he's got a photographic memory. Obviously, he can go in and figure out, you know, statistics and 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 even get into some trends. And he goes and says hello to a guy. They talk before the game, and now, you know, he's their best friend. But with, um, you know guys that have been there in and out of 162 games you develop just by default um, a knowledge of those guys it's interesting to the fan that we want to hear about and and instead of you know dead time on you know tv is different than radio blah 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 but i really really miss that and um well if if i may interrupt i I think please do (laughs) you're the renowned guest no, no, I, I think one of the things you're talking about, one of the great moments in this series, no matter how it turns out, is Brett Phillips. I mean, totally. what, what a moment that was. Now, if, if you're a national guy, and, and hey, those guys do their homework. They knew he was from Florida. But the backstory on him is that he's a local guy. He's from Seminole, Florida. He went to high school. He's a Warhawk from Seminole High School. My daughter taught there and coached girls basketball there. And, and this is a kid who in 1998 went to a devil race, followed the devil race, you know, in some form was at that first game and that first homestand that this franchise ever had. That's the story behind this guy. And, and frankly, I, I mean, I haven't even seen it. Usually print media gets a better chance because, you know, there, there's a time lag by the time they get their story out. But that's a great story in that moment. But he was described as, when, when he came to the plate and did that, here's a guy from Florida. Well, Florida's a big state. You know, right. and it's got all kinds of people and places in it. But when, when Phillips is a local guy, what a great story. What a great baseball story that was. It's a, I, I smell a, a sequel to the movie The Rookie. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this, what? It's unbelievable. See, but here, off, you know, and, and everything we do due to our lack of production meetings is off the cuff, but you do that all the time and you're great at it. And so, you know, here you've, without any prep, without any thought, you're just talking about things that people would love to hear. I'd like to hear a little bit about, you know, when he was, uh, was he, when he was with the Brewers. Uh, what he added to that team with the speed at the time he added it and and uh, then he couldn't fit into the outfield. He got traded and then blah, blah, blah. He ends up with the Royals. The Royals, for some unbelievable reason, can't work a guy in. I'd never – I'd followed his career a little bit, but I'd never heard him uh, interviewed. And he was great. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, he is like – he's just such a, a good guy. And, and when – the same thing happened with um, the White Sox shortstop, Tim Anderson. Yeah. Who, you know, it's a stud. I, I didn't know Tim Anderson from anybody. And over the winter, I heard this guy interviewed, and my God, he's like unbelievably high energy, good guy, comes wow. across great. And, and 
that's how the fan base in, increases with descriptions like yours and knowledge like yours. And we don't get that. And, yeah. uh, you know, it, I mean, that was such a pure moment. It just, God, pure, it was, it was unbelievable all the way down to him flying through the outfield, his face, he's out, he's out of breath. He can't remember what actually happened. I mean, he was out of his mind. What a wonderful thing that was. And you're talking about Anderson. I saw one of those interviews with him. He talked about staying in Chicago, taking care of his children. He wanted them to be with him during the season. The whole th all of that is great stuff. So totally. uh, those are the stories of baseball that, that, uh, that if we miss, we're really missing the humanity of this game. And that's what's carried this game forever. That's why we can, in 2020, we can look back to 1920 and find things that are just amazing. I, I just finished a book on the call shot about the 1932 season. Did Babe Ruth call a shot or did he not and all of that. But I'm writing that down because you have I'm, – I'm trying to read more. And you read <laughs> – you have a variety. You were talking about a, a biography from way back when. I mean, so I, I wrote that down. I'm going to read that book. Yeah, it's, it's really cool because it's, uh, it's about that whole season. One of the sidelights is Billy Jorgis was shot by a, a woman in his hotel. And the amazing thing to me, I think he was shot three times and, and it barely missed vital parts of his body that would have killed him. But he was back playing within four to five weeks after he'd been shot, which yeah. I found just to be ridiculous almost. But it's, it's, yeah, it's really an interesting story. Um, a call shot, and um, you know, and no, and no one's ever going to determine whether he really called it or not because there are all kinds of conflicting views, right. including, by the way, I heard I had never heard this until I don't know two or three weeks ago, and somehow I ran across it. Lou Gehrig did an interview like a day or a couple days after that, and Gehrig swears that that Babe Ruth pointed and called his shot in this interview. And it's the only interview, live interview, to be known, you know, in, in captivity here. Yeah. That but there are tons of other stories about, you know, he was pointing to people all the time in all kinds of games. And so, you know, he'd point his bat out and he'd do other stuff in other games, too. Yeah, one story was he was John with the Cubs in the dugout and oh, yeah. gesturing with his hand. And that was, that was one. But, I mean, I'll – there's no better human being that put on a uniform. I didn't, obviously we didn't know him, but Lou Gehrig, I mean, uh, just from watching the movie, he's, he's my hero, <laughs> but what a stud, but back to, back to Phillips, as you said, in the post game interview, they said, so what did you observe as you were around in first going to second? He says, what do you mean? He goes, well, what did you observe? Tell us what you saw. And he says, I didn't see anything. That's right. And he said, in fact, I don't remember anything other than, Going, getting to second base, and the uh, guy on, I think I was watching Baseball Network, and he had to go through the litany of problems. And on that play, I thought, number one, it was interesting that, um, you know, Taylor took his eye off the ball. That was all fine and good. It was interesting that Muncie wasn't able to hold up when Randy, is it a, a Rosarina, whatever his name is, yeah. uh, uh, is right. on the ground. But to me, there were two things that nobody talked about that were unbelievable. And as I, you and I have exchanged some texts lately. And so I love talking to you. 
it's always been a game of inches. I mean, that's been a, a term that's been used forever. But if you watch that play, the ball hits the cuff of the umpire, and he, <clears throat> the ump had no idea where the ball was. He's yeah. looking at a Rosarina on the ground. The ball misses his shin guard, hits his pant leg, and goes backwards, and Jansen, the relief pitcher, is, is a, an observer. He's not backing up the play. If the ball hits the shin guard, he's back at third base. If Jansen's there, maybe they have a play at the plate, maybe they don't, or maybe doesn't go. But what a fascinating way to end a game. There are half a dozen things in that play. If one of those things happens, then the run doesn't score. Yeah. It's incredible when you break it down. Yeah, that's that's going to be one that will be with baseball. And that's the great thing about this game. That sequence will be with the game forever now. Okay, and top home runs that you have seen on TV or in person in a World Series. Oh, top home runs? Yeah, well, I like Mazeroski. Yeah, Mazeroski, you know, I mean, you, I, I see the, you know, the film of that. I saw um, a lot. I, I wasn't there, but I was – my, yeah. my, my dad was an architect. I was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He was talking to the people about the house, and I'm watching the TV, and Mass hits the home run. Yeah, see, but, but yeah, but that's your dad's an architect, you know, and I, we didn't even have a TV back in the I was at somebody else's house, <laughs> but we did have a TV for the record. But, uh, you know, the, well, the Kirk Gibson home run. Right. Off Eckers Lee is, is is one that's just amazing, and I and Jack Buck called it. I mean, that was the greatest thing. Right. And the way he handled that was just perfect. True. The uh, Kirk Gibson, another yep. great one. Uh, neither of us saw the Bobby Thompson, uh, but you yep. know, interesting. It was the Dodgers again in the World Series this year that that play happened. So you got Bobby Thompson hitting a home run in the playoffs and the. Uh, to get to the World Series. And then you got that play, which was just, God love the Rays. I mean, it, it, one thing that struck me is the Dodgers seem to be sort of like ho-hum, no urgency, and the Rays are kind of the little guy trying to knock off the $200 million deficit in their payroll between yeah. them. And what a great, what a great, that was fun. It's been fun to watch Rosarina. It's been fun to uh, – uh, watch Diaz. Oh my God! I no, I had to look him up. I had no idea who this guy was. I, Choi, the splits that he did the I other day, man, reminded me of Joe Cunningham. <laughs> Joe Cunningham. I always remember Jim Gentile. Remember him? Yeah, absolutely. Well, big left-handed hitter, but that's how he he had the same split thing going at first base. Man, oh man! I <laughs> I went to this will be a short. I went to a Cubs fantasy camp. Nellie always told me, you know, yeah, I go to fantasy camp. So I go down to, to uh, Randy Hundley's Cubs fantasy camp. And Nellie said, look, man, listen to your body. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> so I'm playing first base the first game. Ground ball hit to about a 30-year-old kid at shortstop. He goes in the hole, picks it backhand, throws a knee-high strike to me at first base. I do the splits like I did in, in college. Billy Williams was my coach, but he was standing in the first base box. He goes, was that your leg? <laughs> <laughs> the Miami was gone for about six months. But anyway, yeah, God love. So, so I, I, I was talking with Craig Kishon, the Brewers guy, and my good friend and Nellie's former partner, and I said, name the Rays infield. I said, you know, 
and I'm not embarrassing Craig. He did the Brewers. The Brewers didn't ever play the Rays. Yeah. Before the series started, I'd never heard of uh, Wendell. I'd never really heard of uh, the shortstop. Is it Adamas? Is that how he pronounces his name? Yeah, well, Adamas, yeah. Uh, I really never heard of, when I thought about it, nobody. Tell me about these guys. Who's your I – won't, I won't put a label on it, but tell me about some of the personalities on the team. Well, I, I tell you, they're, they're, they're individual people who really have coalesced into a team. I, I know that sounds overused and trite. You mentioned Joey Wendell. To me, uh, look, if, if, the Rays, if the Rays win the World Series, we have a, a talented local author who's going to write a book. He asked me to do the forward. So if they lose, he's, he's, there's no market for the book. But, so this forward may never see the light of day. But that's written now, and, and the, at least the forward about what this team is. And, and to me, Joey Wendell, and he's one of the guys that I, I focused on the forward, he's the everyday working guy. He is not a high-profile guy. He's not a look-at-me guy. But, boy, he, he'll play anywhere you need him to play, and he'll play it correctly. He will give you effort. He will grind out at bats. And on top of that, uh, somebody, somebody mentioned other guys might be uh, out having a good time. And, you know, he's, he's going to go back home and uh, be with his kids. He's that kind of guy. And he, he was at, uh, at what used to be a Division two, maybe a Division three school. He didn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of attention by scouts. Uh, the Rays got him from Oakland in a deal that, uh, you know, was not a headline deal. But this guy is the everyday guy who plays this game and I think the average fan can identify and really root for. And there are a lot of those guys on this team. I, I mean, you look at the, you know, the veteran on this team on the pitching staff, Charlie Morton. Morton's right. like that. Morton's not, uh, you know, look at me and a lot of glitter and all that. He's, he, and he had to struggle uh, for a big part of his career. Uh, he's pretty emblematic of this team. A lot of young players, and, and Adamas is one. You know, he came, he came to the Rays uh, as a Class A player in the David Price deal when they traded Price to Detroit. They thought they had a pretty good prospect in that deal in Adamas. Well, he's turned out to be, uh, I thought, Last year, a month, six weeks into the season, he settled in to become an outstanding shortstop. And you always worried about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're going to play somebody at shortstop, they have to be pretty solid. Right. And he's turned into that over the last year and four or five months of the previous season. Strikes out a lot, but this team does that. That's, that's part of the game plan in baseball now. Just home run and less strikeout. That's really it. You're going to strike out, walk, or hit a home run. True. I mean, and and I, I I don't like that style of the game. That's why when the Rays, the second half of their 60 game season, actually started to steal bases because steal bases, stealing bases was not an emphasis. It was kind of frowned on. Right. But they they saw an opening in the second half of the season with pitchers and catchers, and, and if they could take that extra base, take it. And to their credit, 
Well, this team had not been uh, even aware or in love with the stolen base at all in favor of the home run and walk and strike out and all that. They look for that opening, and that's what this organization does to me that's pretty amazing. They look for that opening and then capitalize on it. And they did that with, of all things, the stolen base, which they had, uh, had diminished in previous seasons. Uh, the bunt, same kind of thing. Right. You know, and, and they, you know, they wait to the postseason before they go, hey, you know, maybe we could sacrifice a guy over. Well, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, what game was that? The uh, the Braves, they, they had guys on first and second, nobody out, and Marquecas was coming up to the plate, and the announcers go, well, here's a guy that can lay down a bunt. Uh, and then somebody obviously talks in his ear. He goes, he last sacrificed in uh, 2006. <laughs> but he was a rookie with the or- – whatever. I mean, it's like uh, – It's great, isn't it? Well, and Johnny Bench isn't playing anymore, and Pudge Rodriguez isn't playing anymore, and the Cubs are not in the playoffs. So – the odds of somebody throwing you out are like maybe two and 10. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I don't get no sacrifice bunts. And I, I agree, but Adama seems to be a really a guy that I never followed a high energy guy and a guy that is just, you know, he's, he's learning, he's maturing and he's struggling on the big stage right now with the bat, but he's still, you can tell he's a big contributor and a big uh, chemistry guy. And what about the third baseman that um, – is it Brousseau or Brasso? Oh, what a great story, Brasso. Yeah, what, what a great, great story I, he is. I mean, he's a kid like a lot of kids in this country. He played baseball, went to a small college, tried to get some exposure, gets none, nobody drafts him. And he was like, okay, uh, we'll fill out a roster and you come on and play. Yeah. All I want is an opportunity. You know, he, again, he's he's kind of out of that Joey Wendell mold. Right. He's earned everything he's gotten. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, the matchups he had and, and that whole Chapman Brasso thing. And then what a back. great, what a great at bat. I know. It's just unbelievable. Those are those are moments in this game that that the game uh I think really needs to take more advantage of it. And I know it's formulaic to go, well, we want the Yankees and we want the Dodgers in the postseason because they have, you know, the biggest audience and the biggest markets and all that. I get that. And it's important. And, you know, God bless accountants, but, but executives are supposed to be executives and not accountants, you know, with $2,000 suits. Right. They need to be executives, and they need to push for the things that that are human, the human elements in this. And look, we all have to balance our budget, except maybe the government. But all of us at home, and you know, if you're going to run a business, you have to balance the budget. Okay, I get it, I get it. But we can't forget about the the human side and the importance that holds in marketing this game. And I think. This game has more opportunities and needs that more than other sports. It just does. Well, and, uh, and if yeah. we don't take advantage of it, then, you know, shame on the people in baseball. Well, and I think, you know, the players just by the way they dress on the field have more exposure. You know, football guys, for the most part, other than the quarterback, has a helmet on. Uh, mm-hmm. Baseball guys, whether you're, you know, Baez or 
Lindor or Brousseau or Brasso, uh, the personality, I mean, the, the series is David versus Goliath, and at least if you look at the bank, the payroll, and his at-bat versus Chapman was talk about David versus Goliath. The guy had gotten, you know, beamed or close to it in the middle of the year, and he comes back, and, you know, Chapman is probably the preeminent uh, relief pitcher. A is velocity, and B is not that accurate all the time. Yeah. And so he's – you know, he's nice to have on your team, but what a great at bat. I mean, and, and I thought that was analyzed pretty good by whoever was broadcasting the, that particular game because he yeah. got so many looks. What? Yeah, and it had a great backstory to the regular season. Totally. You know, things like that happened and, and the, the Chapman pitch at his head and all that. And then, you know, the teams at the end of the game – you know, mingled around a little bit yeah. like you and we don't like you. But then the next day, you know, the Rays came out and had a great first inning, just jumped all over the Yankees. Brasso had two home runs in that game. Yeah. And, and that, that was, you know, after that, after the night when, when they threw at his head, that's when uh, Cash said, look, you know, I have a stable of guys who throw 98. And so if you want to do that, then we could do that. And, yeah. and, you know, Cash is a low-key guy, but at, I, I think he, uh, I think his credibility with his team uh, went through the roof. Then I think they they said that's great for him; he'll take care of that. And then the next, but they were really smart about that. They said, "Look, the next day, we're gonna we're gonna," and I know it's kind of a cliche, but we're, our answer is going to be what we do on the field. Right. But that's what they did. That's and so I. In the playoffs, you got to do that. Yeah, and it go, it goes back to the marketing. Look, I know the Dodgers are in the World Series, and for all the executives, they want to go, oh, the Dodgers, and they all want the Dodgers to win, and all oh, that's good, fine, but they're missing a great matchup in their whole promo. You know, it should be the upstart Rays and the dominant Dodgers and the and the dominant Dodgers who have not gotten it done in the postseason. And now the upstart race. I mean, what a great story. That's how their promos should be. That's the human interest story. And they ignore it in promoting a World Series. You talk about the numbers. You promote it like that. Then it's more than just a team in a smaller market that's not going to automatically give you the numbers you want. You want all the numbers from the country. This is the World Series. So promote it that way. Well, and when the Shark Tank beats your ratings and Saturday Night Live beats your ratings and people are questioning why they preempted world wrestling for the measly World Series, you know, the ad revenue may be okay, but you got big-time problems. But that be that as it may, going back to, you know, Brousseau or Brasso or however he pronounces it, there's so many of us that, you know, we hung it up in Little League, or we hung it up in Pony League, or we hung it up in American Legion, or we hung it up after sitting on the bench at SMU for two years, or whenever everybody's everybody's career ends, whether you're, you know, Whitey Ford, God love him, and may he rest in peace, or you or me, um, or your son-in-law, or any of us, we finally all retire. But um, the thing that, that and, and again, baseball – they step on their foot so often, and I'm not sure that the, the executives care. But if nothing is more hurtful 
of those kinds of stories in the future, it's going to six rounds of the draft and eliminating 25 rounds or however many they, because there are so many stars that you and I can talk about and you more than me uh, that got drafted in the 15th, 20th, 30th round. Um, some guys in the hall of fame that got drafted then. And so these guys are going to go to the independent league or they're going to, you know, sign as a $500, whatever. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all that develops with, with the minor leagues being diminished mm-hmm. as a single entity. And then, you know, major league baseball running what's going to be left of that and where the opportunities are going to come from. Uh, all of those stories. And, and I just, uh, I think there's, you know, we, we talk about modern society and maybe every modern society, you know, because <laughs> regardless of whether we are here now or 300 years ago, 300 years ago, they thought that was modern society. They did, yeah. So here we are now in our modern society with, with less emphasis placed on the human side. And when you think of all the marketing um, that, that we come up with, at least supposedly come up with, it becomes, in a way, formulaic marketing. And we just, you know, we just put the cog in, in that hole and, okay, we've, we've fulfilled that approach to marketing and we've done this and we've done this. And there's, there's not as much creativity and enough humanity in, in what we're doing. And I, I just think that there, there should be a whole department at, at every, uh, you know, I can't speak for all the leagues. I, what the heck, I'm, a, I'm on an outpost here in Tampa Bay. I can't even speak for Major League Baseball's head office. But, boy, there should be, there should be more uh, marketing with a humanitarian side to it, human interaction. You know, they do a lot of good stuff. They spend a lot of money and all that and trying to help kids, you know, in their own way get into the game and try to support causes. And all of that's important. But, but I think the average person on the street just sees that as a corporate formula that every corporate's trying to put those old places in. I guess what I'm saying is that there has to be room for individual personalities that and we just don't see the way we used to. There's no reason... And you're totally right. There's no reason that instead of listening to Alex Rodriguez, Big Poppy, and Frank Thomas, get out there and do whatever they do. And they can still do that. They could, you could condense every day into three minutes of who do you pick, why, and, and run promos or human interest stories on the guys that people in the, the viewing audience are going to see in the next four hours. You know, run a... I know nothing about your catcher. He's having a tough time. Uh, it's not zucchini, but it's like zucchini. Zanino. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's it? Fine Italian boy. Zanino. Zanino. I yeah. love Zanino. I wish he'd start hitting. Yeah. Poor guy's had a rough year. Yeah. Tell me about him. He does a great job behind the plate. Well, he's a he's a Florida guy, University of Florida. Uh, Seattle picked him a high draft pick because of his catching abilities. I mean, he was a great collegiate player and he can do a job behind the plate, has some power, but, you know, consistent contact has been an issue. That's pretty obvious, uh, but a really, a, and a good guy, you know, and for him uh, to come here and play was, was a great thing. It gets him close to home. And uh, so he's, he's going to do a good job behind the plate for you. And, you know, if, 
try to hit 200 and occasionally hit a long home run. I'd, I'd move him up to third in the order just to change, give, give him a little, you know, when he comes to the ballpark. Hey, Margot's hitting cleanup. Why not? You know? <laughs> Why not? You know, you know, get, get his at bat over with Earl. No, I, I hope he has a great game six. The, the whole team, and you, you know, you've said this before, um, they all seem to be really good guys. Cash seems to be a good guy. I don't know Kyle Snyder from maybe he, did he pitch in the major leagues? Was he with yeah, the Royals? Yeah, you know, he, 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 was, he, he was a big draft pick himself and a high prospect and then had some physical issues and all that. Yeah, he's very good. He is, you know, we, we've had a run of some pretty good managers and, and coaches here uh, as pitching coaches go. And, and uh, Kyle Snyder is really good. He, he has a calmness about him, but he's very insightful. Uh, I think he has uh, credibility with every pitcher on the staff uh, because I think they legitimately believe that he has their best interest at heart in terms of making them successful. You know, there, there are always going to be issues about how a pitcher's used and what he does to get to where he goes and whether long-term that's good or not. And those are whole issues across sport, and they've been there in all sports forever. But in terms of approach and what you need to do to be successful, I think uh, I think they all believe in Kyle Snyder that way. And yeah, I, that's great. This coaching staff has been a has really been a great staff. They've been able to put that together, and it's a reflection of of Kevin Cash. You know, when Kevin came here from Cleveland, he was a bullpen coach in Cleveland, and essentially. He and Terry Francona were very close, and a manager needs a guy like Kevin on his staff. And so that's, that's where that came from. They hired him when Madden left. And I think one of the big reasons, not only is Kevin a local guy, and again, uh, went to Florida State, lives in Tampa Bay, is from here, uh, but was very open to all the information that he's going to be overwhelmed with. And, and this, as we know from the very beginning, the idea was this team, uh, when, when Andrew Friedman was here. I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's Lou, a little overlap. Lou, Lou Pinella, Lou, Lou was here, and God bless him, I love Lou Pinella. But when they had the changeover, and, you know, Lou was pretty traditional. That's where he played in, grew up in, as player, manager, the whole thing. And, and he was thinking, well, wait, they're, they're, they're going to run all of the veteran baseball guys out. And for Lou, they're bringing these kids in, you know, and he was so great like that. But there was no way that, that he was going to relate to that, nor would they relate to him. And so Madden came along with, you know, all of the ideas and, and, and all the spin that, that Joe will bring and all of that to keep, uh, keep a team loose. And, then take take the information age material and insert that, and and in his own way, Cash is like that. Only probably way more open. He's not uh, he, he's not offended if someone has some ideas. Uh, I think he buys into a lot of what they do. Uh, they're open. Uh, the one thing about this team, I think, without having been in those meetings myself, I had the general idea that this team is, is information loaded to, a, to the degree that we can't even imagine. Uh, they are open to discussion on 
any and all ideas, whether one party believes it or, or not, everybody seems to be able to get an audience to throw out their ideas here and then they pick and choose. And every once in a while, what, what I've been, what I really like most of all, because there's always been this friction between traditional baseball and then all the new guys with all right. the geniuses walking around. And, and there was this headbutting there. And I think, I think what we're starting to see with this group, and maybe it's always been there, is, is an openness to some traditional thought as well as all this information. And the traditional thought's not going to win a lot of the times, but, but it can be incorporated. Yeah. And, and I, I, I always thought that Andrew Friedman had that in him. Both. I think he had both. And I think Eric Neander is as close to Andrew Friedman as they've had anybody in the front office here. And Neander is, is really good. He's, he's not a guy who seeks the spotlight. I chalk it up to the fact that he went to Virginia Tech instead of an Ivy League school. That's just my own bias. But I, I'll buy into that when you look at the Cubs, <laughs> the Cubs president or whatever he is. So, but I think Neander is great. I just think he is as good as you're going to get. Yeah, I should have turned my phone off. That's okay. I mean, we accept that could be our stop. That could be our first call in. <laughs> is, it, is it somebody that we ought to talk to? <laughs> Yeah, I think That'd be was, great. I think it was somebody from either the MLB office <laughs> or the Rays baseball office, or, or maybe uh, you know oh. Fox Sports. I don't know. There you go. They they want this. Uh, maybe we're looking at it the other way. They want this to go national. This uh, this is <laughs> or shut it, it down. It's yeah, or shut it down. I'm going to go with the national because it's it, you know it's always it, it's fun because whatever pops into your head or my head, um, it's it's so much fun to. Uh, to talk about and you talk about Snyder and I think of Mark Pryor and I'm really glad that he got a shot at coaching the Dodgers when he could have coached the been on the Cubs the the um and without bagging the Cubs hitting coach and pitching coach I'll say this people I think uh whether they're traditionalists or analytic underestimate the value of great coaches Larry Rothschild. I mean, how can, you know, he goes from the, the, the Cubs to the Yankees to the Padres and everywhere he goes, there's a great history. Mike Maddox, um, mm -hmm. on and on and on. And people go, oh, the hitting coach doesn't make that big a deal. Well, Chili Davis was a pretty good hitting coach for the Cubs. And since he left and the players kind of, you know, rebelled against Madden uh, and, and Theo with his, um, uppercut exit velocity launch angle stuff you can see what a difference it makes and in, in, and I'm sure um, that it makes a difference in the clubhouse it makes a difference on their approaches I don't know I mean the the Rays are, are a perfect example they're a low they're a, you know in the bottom five or six of the payroll and they like the A's the Rays the J's anybody else that rhymes with with day those guys all perform, perform well. Uh, I, I texted you, I don't know if it was a Rosarina that hit the home run or Brousseau that hit the most dramatic home run that I, I said it's the only shame in my uh, day was that you weren't calling that shot. And that goes back to what we talked about before. But what's a Rosarina like? I mean, I never, 
seriously without me going out to the Royals games. I never, I didn't really hadn't heard of him. Yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, deal. You know, he was he was part of the the trade with the Cardinals. Uh, the uh, Rays sent uh, a pretty good young pitcher, a top pick, Levator, left-hander to the Cardinals, and he's going to pitch in the big leagues. And you know, all things being equal, and if he's healthy, you know, they'll get what they need to get out of that deal. Uh, what the Rays got, obviously, is a guy – well, here, here's the thing. I, I thought we talked about Neander a moment ago, and I saw him on one of the post games or pre-games somewhere. Somebody was interviewing him about, about uh, a Rosarena. And they said, boy, I mean, you got this great player, and he's unbelievable, and he's hitting all these home runs. He's got extra base hits. He's doing this and that. And um, – and, I, I love the Andrews' response to him because he said, well, we, we thought he was pretty good, but we had no idea that he could do all the things that he's doing now, which was such a refreshing thing. Instead of going, well, you know, we looked at him a long time, and I'm a genius, and I thought, yeah, we should get this guy. Yeah. None of that. It was like, no, we thought he was a good talent, but who knew that he was, he was going to do this, and certainly this quickly. Well, I mean, he's had, a, you know, a, a record-breaking, I look at it, Playoff hits, uh, home runs, uh, total bases. I mean, he's all over the place there now in this uh, postseason. Uh, and I, and he was a key to that deal as a young player. Uh, you know, Jose Martinez came, and he was here for a short period. Made the roster, you know, and can swing the bat in certain situations and all that. But Rosarena was really the guy, and and he went he. He was quarantined because of the COVID situation. So he, he was stymied because of that. And finally, right. at the end, got to the big leagues here the last few weeks of the season and showed that he could, you know, swing the bat a little bit. He could do some things. And, and boy, he's gotten a chance now on this wonderful stage to be in that lineup every day and be a big part and just have fun. And he's, he's such a great story. And again, one of those great stories in baseball that you that you run across, and it's just let's well, run with it. And the smile that guy has, <laughs> and uh, uh, the same with there's a couple guys on the Rays. It's just like this guy ought to be on the poster of the uh, you know the marketing program. Um, I think is it Margot? Is that how he? You know, yeah. there's another guy that's very intense and. And what the hell is he trying to steal home plate for yesterday? I mean, I don't well, like I don't like uh, uh, um, Clayton Kershaw's delivery either. But I mean, it's a good idea. I mean, just game of inches. Yeah, I mean, he came that close, and if he makes it, then he's a genius. But uh, I, I thought it was really interesting in that uh, you know the Rays have traditionally not been that kind of a team to try to do that. Um, I thought. You know, Cash's comments after the game are pretty interesting. You know, he's he's not going to be critical. That's not what he does, and there's no real upside in that for him. And he said he he thought Margot saw something that you're talking about in the in the delivery from Kershaw, and he could time him up, and he came really close to doing it. But you know, the fact of the matter is, well, the last guy to successfully do that was Jackie Robinson. Yeah. And uh, and so you know, your chances of <laughs> of being successful are pretty slim. And for a team that's all about doing the percentage thing, I mean, it, it was, 
you know, against everything they are. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at, I've got a giant, uh, photograph of Jackie Robinson sliding in under Yogi Berra, stealing home plate. Berra signed it. Yeah, and Yogi said he was still out. He said <laughs> yeah, he was out. I know. So, <laughs> you know, I think that um, it's a great play in May. It may not be a great play in October, but like you said, if it works, great. And, it, and I go back to Nelly. God love him. Because I always go back to Nelly. Um, it was funny. We were up in Wisconsin at our summer places, and so I'm listening to uh, uh, pregame before they started the pregame. And it was like killing time on Fox Sports Midwest or whatever the hell it is. And I'm doing something, reading something. And all of a sudden I hear Nelly. And I look up at the TV. And this is kind of weird since he'd been gone for two, or two years plus. And it's Nelly telling a story about minor leagues when their bus broke down and they get to the ballpark late, they had to walk and he faced on Sutton. And I'm going, that was eerie looking at and listening to Dave. Cause I've, I've got some of his CDs when he did this Nelly remembers stuff, but that was weird. But going back to Dave and his, you know, I've got a number of his, he, he was a meticulous base running coach, enthusiast, had written books, typed up, tons of stuff he had note cards about uh, what to tell Kenny Lofton when he wasn't you know maximizing it all this stuff that now is sort of oh hum it's it's cool for you and me because you know if it weren't for Nelly we wouldn't be having this podcast but look at the brave space running they ran themselves out of the world series Ozuna made a base running blunder and then they have guys on second and third and nobody out against the Dodgers and they hit into a what I think was a five-two, 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 five-two double play, mm-hmm. which you know I'm going. Oh, oh no! I guess the final out of the double play was back by the shortstop covering Seager was just horrible. I mean, it's not emphasized anymore because, like you said, it's home run derby in four hours. Yeah, four yeah. hours. Average game time three hours and forty-three minutes so far. Yeah, and here's also my theory, too, that the network executives will probably, you know, banish me for saying this, but they love the long games. They do. Because, you know, they they pay all of this money for rights fees, and now they get an extra hour of free programming. If games were two hours and 15 minutes, they'd have to go out and buy another hour of programming for their day. But with baseball, they've spent all this money to get the rights, and so the longer the game is – that's okay with them because it's free programming, you know, so they get like a 30% bonus the longer the game is. So they're, they're, they're going, yeah, this is a great thing. I know. Forgive me. My, my, I just uh, forget about that fact that this whole 60 game deal was a dodge to get to the playoff money. And, and that's fine. Players get some of it. The Cubs just cut 100 people loose from their front office, which sucks. You know, I don't think the Ricketts uh, balance sheet's going to be hurting too much in the last 365 days. But the the guy that bought the Royals hasn't played, hasn't put one fanny in the seat, and he has paid everybody their salaries throughout all this guy. And God love John Sherman, uh, yeah. who I've never met, but. I had, you know, the, how do you not admire that? But I was looking because I knew we'd get into this. I knew I'd get into it. Uh, and you put a, you put a 
real world twist on it. And you're so right. But I looked at the, and I know you you love your Cardinals and St. Louis history. 1968, game seven, Mickey Lolich, Bob Gibson. Game, there were 12 hits, so it wasn't like a one-hitter and a two-hitter. Yeah. Two hours and seven minutes. Absolutely. And I'll tell you a personal side on that. Uh, my buddies and I skipped school and uh, found our way to St. Louis, slept out in line to get standing room only tickets for the World Series game and, um, and saw that game. Along with 56,000 other people. <laughs> that was a huge – how did sportsmen – was, was it uh, – I guess it was – it was an old Bush. It was Bush Memorial Stadium, yeah. It had to be packed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's why – it was so great. I mean, there were like five or six of us guys, and we skipped school because we were, you know, on the Illinois side and somehow made it over there and, and slept out in line. And, and people were – they were sleeping all around the entire sidewalk of the stadium just so they could get tickets. The next Unbelievable. Day. And I know – I'm not putting you on the spot, but I will. Which Cardinal hit a home run that game? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, he later broadcast. Yeah, Shannon. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. fun to put – because you, you've, you've got an incredible memory. And uh, baseball – history is what the game's all about i mean it totally is so here's here's i'm a memorabilia junkie and and Kay is up in chicago visiting some of our seven or eight grandchildren it'll be eight so when i say seven or eight it'll be eight but so what do i have i have we moved and one room is full of nothing but boxes of baseball cards and so I, I was kind of rearranging everything, and I had an extra box of 1989 Dunruss, uh a wax set, which, you know, a year ago went for 100 bucks, and now it's probably 1000 because guys like me had, and guys that are a lot more technical have nothing better to do than to try to, since they couldn't bet on sports, they were jacking the price of these cards up, and suddenly this. Well, I have some. You, is there a market for them? They go back to like 59, 60, 61, 62. Yeah, now 52, big market, as you know. <laughs> so here I am last night uh, in and out watching the World Series, and I take this wax box, which has 30 little wax packs, like when we were kids, you know, you'd open and there'd be gum sure. in them. Yeah. So I knew that um, the Griffey rookie card was, you know, pretty good pretty good price if you you know open it so i start open i get about 25 packs and i'm going no randy johnson no <laughs> griffey i'm getting i'm getting so hosed by this on the 26th or 7th pack that i open there's griffey jr really so i'm going man do i want to get my gloves like you know jeff idelson <laughs> at the hall of fame or what do i do and then i two more packs and then a randy johnson so i had to and I think if you – I've got 50 of those boxes of, of the 1989 Dunruss along with 1989 score that's worthless, uh, the, the you know, all, all those – that 1987 to 95, you can forget about. But all of our cards, the 59 set, oh, my God, 58, 57. I don't have a 54, 55, or 56. Yeah. And I – you know, like Dean cards and 
and Cincy kind of is a little bit unfair on their prices, I think. But God, I love, I just love memorabilia. And on that subject, and we're going to get to the Hall of Fame in a minute because we talked about that, and then I'll let you go. I know you got a busy day, uh, but I, I, I hope we do this again soon. Um, I'm looking at some of the stuff that Nelly had, in addition to Tom Seaver wine out the wazoo, which I've consumed a few bottles of GST, which yeah, I know. we finished off our last bottle, so if, you know if you're. I'll tell you, when Kay and I get down to Clearwater to visit, I'll bring a couple bottles. It's so much fun. I, I, I promise. But Nellie had the 1973 All-Star um, yearbook, All-Star program, and it was signed by Ewing Kaufman. He went, you know, he went, because Dave was on the American League All-Star team in 73. The other thing that's more home to you he had the 1989, I think it was, I don't know if it was the playoff media guide or just the regular Cubs season media guide from 1989 featuring, you know, oh, you wow. guys. Yeah. yeah. And, cool. and instead of talking about your brilliant and illustrious career, a lot of the media guide was talking about restaurants near Wrigley. <laughs> <laughs> None of which are still in business. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, hey, it's commerce. You gotta, you gotta promote commerce, you know. Well, okay, and and you know that got me thinking back then when you did the radio and you did three innings on TV and and uh, I think six innings with the on the with Nelly. Yeah. You know why don't you get to do the radio during the playoffs? It goes back to how do we get Dwayne Stats and Bob, <laughs> you know, Euchre and Tom Hamilton and all these guys that. Uh, because I, I know what I was going to get to. I kind of drift around. Last right. night, or the Chiefs were the second game. I've never met this guy. I don't know him from Adam. But he is one of the all-time great football, basketball, doesn't matter what team he's broadcasting. Kevin Harlan is mm -hmm. as good as it gets because not only is he informative and got a great voice, he's enthusiastic for both teams. Even yeah. though he's a Kansas City guy and he could just ride that to death, mm -hmm. he's good for both teams. So if, if you're listening and, and you think you're getting hometown by somebody, they can happen with Kevin Harlan on a national on a national talk. I listened to the game on TV last night, and then I listened to your guys doing the radio, Dave, somebody. Yeah. Dave and, and Wells and Andy Free. Yeah, and, and these guys are – like what I'd expect. They're lamenting the first inning. Oh, my God, this is, like, horrible. This is our worst dream. He's yeah. up over 30 pitches. He doesn't look like he's having fun. He told me when he's pitching good, it's like he's dancing. And all this good stuff. And, you, you, yeah. know, you know, and I go, where's Dwayne? Come on, and you that home <laughs> run call. I, you know, your calls are great. When, and I've told uh, you this before. So, anyway, we won't tell you about how great Dwayne's stats is anymore. <laughs> Jeff Idelson, I told you that I'm going to hopefully do a podcast with him, but yeah, you made great. that special trip to the basement and uh, you and Carla got to, you know, hold, you know, in addition oh, to yeah. her holding you, she got to hold Lou Gehrig's bat. Oh, yeah. I submit it's much better than. Yeah, anyway. well, I can argue with that. I can argue with it, you know. I mean, no, it was great uh, when Jeff uh, was in charge of the Hall of Fame. Um, we had uh, 
one fall taking a trip because you know you go upstate New York is a great place in the fall and beautiful. So we uh, we spent some time in Cooperstown and uh, and a protracted time at the Hall of Fame and you go through that and then then because Jeff was there he goes you want to see some really great stuff and it's like they take you to the basement you know where all of the all of the stuff the Paul has is stored. And, and some of the great things, and you're right, Carla got to, you got to put on white gloves though. And so cool. put on white gloves and she had, you know, Lou Gehrig's bat, which was great. Um, all kinds of stuff. You'd see uh, the babes, one of his jerseys that's legitimate and all that, just really great stuff. And one of the things that amazed me is that Miller Huggins, who, you know, was the, the Yankee manager, but was also with the Cardinals in his early days. And they had one of those sweaters uh, the, that the managers wore. Sometimes you'd see players in them, but the managers wore these heavy, uh, with the roll collars, those sweaters. And it, had, it was Cardinal red. And I just could not believe it was still as deep and vibrant as if it had just been manufactured today. And it was in such great condition. And to see, wow, this is Miller Huggins wore this thing was a cool thing. And to cool see stuff. everything they had. And then, of course, once we saw all that and he had like six, seven, eight items out, which were just fabulous. He goes, we have lots. He goes, anything else you want to see? And I, uh, Larry Durker was, was my partner in Houston after he'd retired. He joined our crew and, and we've become great friends. And, of course, as a kid, I was listening to their games when Durker was 18 years old in the big leagues pitching. So our relationship really, in my mind, went back to when I was a kid listening on radio to their games that he was pitching as a teenager. And then he winds up being my partner. Well, he threw a no-hitter against the Montreal Expos. And I said, well, uh, do you have uh, – what do you have from Durker's no-hitter? Do you have anything from me? He goes, yeah. He goes, we have his cap. So he went back down the aisle and pulled out this big box, and here it is. And oh, man. Cap. So we, we were holding that cap, took a photo of that, and sent him a copy and go, hey, by the way, if you're looking for your no-hitter cap, here it is. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I that mean, was, a whole – those are all the things that don't get in the exhibits, or they're not – you know, I guess they – I know they modernize and they change things around probably, but what a what a – I mean, I just – I love it. I mean, that's just a – and Cooperstown, as you say, is so beautiful. I never knew where the Erie Canal was until I started trying to find, you know, Cooperstown. And uh, uh, we went and saw the ghost of Ron Santo inducted. And then I took my, my kids and Nellie's kid to the Hall of Fame. And, you know, my kids said, Dad, you know, we'll hang out at the pool. We've been to the Hall of Fame. You can go back over there. And, you know, I could hang out there oh, yeah. in, in the public area for just ever. What, what, uh, what a fun yeah. time. Well, buddy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've, I've overstayed my welcome at the uh, stats house, but uh, let's do this again at the, after yeah. a few weeks. And uh, you know, it's always, it's always a great time talking to you because uh, you know it's, uh, it's, it's great to go over the current baseball, the historical baseball, your wife, your, your plans for the off season. And uh, have things solidified with Fox and their acquisitions or divesting or whatever's going on with the uh, 
with the Fox Sports? Well, apparently. I mean, I, you know, that's out of my realm, and I try not you know? to work on things that I don't have any control over. But apparently, uh, you know, that the nuts and bolts of that are, have been pretty much determined. And they, they had continued with the Fox logo. And I think somewhere <laughs> in the not-too-distant future, we're supposed to have a whole rebranding of the deal. Yeah. And so we'll see that, you know, in the not-too-distant future. Of course, COVID is still a breaking ball to lots of people right. and plans and this. And uh, so we'll see. But that, that was the general game plan. And, um, uh, you know, we're hoping that we get to a point with uh, the pandemic where – you know, we can have something close to a normal spring training and, and get the season in. And, and, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, all of these clubs now are starting to, uh, to uh, furlough or lay off or, in cases, terminate positions. And, and that's you, – you really hate to see that because most of the people in this game still – you know, usually, usually – no one made any money in the game. There are a few people who do now from the management side make really great money, but there are a ton of people who are good people who put in long hours and who work this job out of love and dedication. And, and it's going to be a struggle for them now, which you hate to see. I mean, we all have been impacted in one way or another, you know, we broadcasters lost a big part of the season. And so you hope that at some point, we get back to where most, if not all, of those jobs uh, and events can be uh, recovered and, and we can get back to a sense of normalcy. That's, that would be in our thoughts and prayers going forward. Yeah, I think uh, most people who listen to my podcast think that I'm, it should be the, the uh, grumpy side of baseball rather than the lighter side of baseball. <laughs> uh, just bang on, on a lot of different things, but I'm optimistic that they're going to get a vaccine and that um, I think I'm, I'm hopeful and uh, blind optimism that spring training uh, picks up where they left off, you know, in the early part of March and the latter part of February and not the rest of it. And that, uh, that I can get to the games and that, you know, you're going to have a, uh, a, a nice logo that's new that you can put on a golf shirt. And so we, we talked once before about white shirt, coat, and tie. I still don't get, um, and, and Craig Kashan, they're part of, you know, the Fox deal. And here's he and Jerry Augustine or whoever sitting in the, in the, in their little pregame and poach or in the press box in a coat and tie. And the, the team is a thousand miles away in Pittsburgh or yeah. whatever. And, uh, it it cracks me up, but um, I'm hopeful. And, uh, and, and, you know, I can remember when we had the Omar Royals, we had a thousand people applying for a, a intern's job that didn't pay anything. Yeah. They just wanted to get their foot in the door. And so there are a lot more of those people than there are Freedman's who, you know, he should have a lifetime contract. Joe Madden ought to become the general manager, president of the angels and Albert Pujols ought to manage. That's, that's my tip. Dwayne, that you right. hear, heard here oh. first, and like Domb Dombrowski ought to go to the Cubs, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> well, I don't know. Last time I heard, he was headed to Nashville. Whoa! You know, with that, with that with group trying to get a expansion to get a team in there. So, oh, I like that scoop. You heard that first here. <laughs> I love it. And where's the other team going to be? 
Uh, nobody knows for Las sure. Vegas. Knows that there's one going to be in Nashville either, but uh, right. Yeah. Well, Nashville and Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Portland, I suppose. New Orleans, no way. Yeah. Uh, please don't go back to Montreal, though. Yeah. Well, um, you know, we might spend some time there. Who knows? You never know. Yeah. All right, buddy. God bless you for being you, and and uh, this is fun. I I think you enjoy it too. So we'll do this again yeah, on good. the lighter side of baseball. Wayne Stace, right. my guest today. God love you, buddy. Hey, Hold stay on. happy and healthy, man. So we are back after a great hour-long visit with one of the great premier broadcasters in baseball, Dwayne Stats. Was that fun? I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we probably got off on the beaten path, uh, off of the beaten path, talking about whatever. But man, oh man, it's always fun to talk to Dwayne, not only uh, because of his love of baseball and his great voice. I mean, the guy's just got a great voice. But, uh, you know, the, the memories of Nelly and... Uh, you know, he's just just a, a good friend and a good guy, and and uh, it was fun to talk about some of the Rays because I I had never heard of him, and a lot of people never heard of him, and and uh, his his uh, knowledge. I mean, he not only broadcasts, but he knows so much about these guys, and uh, talking about Wendell and that he was a hometown guy, and talking about Phillips being from Florida, and talking about. You name it, all these guys. And then the trade history is amazing. With uh, uh, Randy Rosarina, I didn't realize that he was on the COVID list for a long time. He only has played like 19 or 20 games in the major leagues. He came over from the Cardinals. Uh, uh, they just It's just fun. And that was uh, Zunini or whatever the catcher's name is. I call them Zucchini. But, uh, you know, he had this – he puts this personal deal – uh, to the player. So you don't get that on the national broadcast. You don't get anything on the national broadcast. I won't get back into Joe Buck and Smolsey, but, you know, with the Dwayne Stats, he just knows these guys. He loves these guys. He knows about them and uh, knows some great details. So, you know, that's what he does for a living. It's how he can talk at lib, but he can add lib about anything. Man, we talked about, and I, I'm the same way, but, but, uh, you know, it's it's fun with him because we talked about the pace of the game. And in 19, I said in 1968, Gibson versus Lolich, Game 7 of the World Series, two hours and seven minutes. And he goes, I was at that game. And so, you know, we talked about how they slept outside of the Bush Stadium, Bush 1, and got the uh, Bush 1 Stadium, not Bush 1 President, uh, spelled differently for all you folks out there that like to get into the ridiculous mundane, B-U-S-C-H, the beer guy, B-U-S-H, the presidential family guys. And uh, so he talked about that. Uh, he talked about the book he's reading. He's a, is vociferous a word? He's a big reader. And so he gave me the name of the book, and then he held it up, and it's called The Called Shot. And in it, he talks about how this guy was talking about Catalina Island, because I mentioned Catalina Island and talked about my uncle. And then I held up my book. It was like show and tell. And, of course, 
uh, the folks listening, which there are thousands every day, I think, I hope, and not every day, we don't do one every day, but Dwayne and I, it's easier for me to do the video so I can see the guy I'm talking to. And uh, I held up my book, The Cubs on Catalina Island, and then I was able to refer to the section on my uncle, Gus Cherry, Irving Gus Cherry, noted lefty, and uh, talked about how he allegedly, purportedly invented the slurve, which really is nothing more than a slow curveball. And uh, Casey Stengel said he had one of the best slurves in the business. So, cool. Casey Stengel, Gus Cherry, Dwayne Stats, and me. Um, I gave him an idea for a new book. We had to write a book about the guys that had brief, small cup of coffee. We could call it the cup of coffee. And uh, it's not a bad name for the book. Don't anybody out there borrow my book title. I know you won't. Anyway, I've had a fun day. It's always fun when I can visit with the likes of Dwayne Stats, the likes of Craig Kishan, and I'm going to track down uh, my buddy, my new buddy, John Wathen. And it's fun. So we're going to, like I said, continue on. We'll do a little bit after the World Series, two games left, I hope. And then uh, we will uh, do at least weekly. So that's the scoop. I hope you guys enjoyed the Dwayne Stats segment. And uh, we will be in touch with everybody in the next couple days to talk about the uh, end of the World Series. So for Jamie Rutsky and uh, Dwayne Stats today, oh, my God, what a thrill. Uh, lighter Side of Baseball. Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, my Facebook, I think I still have. And uh, we will get back to you guys soon. So until then, enjoy the snow if you're in the northern parts of the United States. Or if uh, you're down south, go out and stripe it down the middle. And for Jamie Rutsky and everybody else, this is it on the lighter side of baseball. And until next time. Be healthy, happy, and safe.